Thank you for joining us at the Elk Point Baptist Church and online. I sure hope you're blessed with what you hear today. We're delivering the Word of God joyfully and willingly. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. I'll be reading from the ESV version. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. If you want to follow along, you'll see where I'm reading. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8 says, Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you for your word. We praise you that this very day, we're going to look into it and read it, and we're going to study it. We're going to know more about you and your character and who you are, and how these words can shape us and us and to become more like your son. So, Father, we ask for your blessing upon this time. We pray that this time of fellowship in your word would be sweet and that you would hold us in your hand and guide us, that my words would be sure and true and my steps would be clear as we look into your word and that we would build each other up and edify and we, you would, your, your holy name would be magnified as we serve you joyously and gloriously with all our hearts. We pray for this time, Lord, again, of the service, this time of worship, where we would give you our praise by being obedient and careful to bring to one another the word of God. We ask this in your holiest name. Amen. The Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians, uh, the letter of Ephesians, to the churches of Ephesus to display the scope of God's eternal plan for all humanity, for Jews and Gentiles alike. This passage describes God's master plan for salvation in terms of the past, present, and future. Verses 3 to 6 refers to the past, our election. Verses 6 to 7 refers to the present, our redemption. And verses 12 to 14 refers to the future, our inheritance. As I was preparing for this study, I read many commentaries, and there's plenty of insight from men much more enlightened than me. And some of them even viewed these 
verses, this first part of Ephesians here as verses 3 to 6 as the Father, verses 7 to 12 as the Son, and verses 13 to 16 as the Holy Spirit. And this would encompass the Holy Trinity, as you can plainly see. So let's look at these verses and see how this unfolds. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4 folds right into this, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Paul said that all in one throw. There was just a comma in between those two sentences. I'm looking at some of these words and I'm trying to get a clear understanding of this scripture. For the word blessed, which is derived from the Greek word eulogy, which means to praise or commend. I've only ever heard of the word eulogy at funerals, which explains why we don't hear bad things about someone at a funeral during the eulogy. That's not the purpose of the eulogy. So the, the purpose of the eulogy is this word blessed or eulogy means to praise or commend. This is the intended purpose for every living creature. Blessed be the name of the Lord and there is nothing above him. Amen? Next we look at God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 3 tells us our blessings come from God, who is the divine and spiritual source of all blessings in the holy places. The heavenlies or heavenly places refer to God's domain, from which all blessings come. And these blessings come to us in Christ, the center and source of all blessings to us. These incredible blessings are set aside and belong only to the children of God by faith in Christ. So what he has is theirs, which includes... His righteousness, resources, privilege, position, and power. Romans 8, 16 to 17 tells us we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Do you want to you prove you're a believer? Do you suffer with Christ when it comes to mockery or ridicule or even physical persecution? And is your reasons for suffering for Christ's sake? Ask these questions to yourself honestly and you'll know if you're an heir. Verse 4 says, He chose us even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. This part of verse 4 tells us what's going on in the past, before we even existed. There's no way we could interfere with God's plans because we weren't there. He chose us in him, him who is in Christ. In his mercy, God has chosen us through the union of the head of the redeemed humanity, Jesus Christ and has ordained us from everlasting to everlasting. And that's eternal. We are eternally united with Christ Jesus through God's sovereign will. Verse 5 says, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. Predestined. 
Let's look at that word. Pre means before, and destined means it has a destination. Only the sovereign God can know the destination of his creation. We can rest in that. If you're one of the chosen, or, or specifically, more specifically, the elect, you can find incredible security knowing that if God predestined you, you were chosen out of the rest of the world. Ephesians 1.11 tells us, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Romans 8.29 8, tells us, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. This is God's will. If someone says to you, I don't know God's plans for my life, I don't know God's will for my life, point them to the Bible. Show them what God's word says. We have a purpose, a good and healthy purpose, to glorify God in all we say and do, and to be conformed to the image of his Son, Christ Jesus. How do we do that? Through obedience to his word. The ultimate purpose of election to salvation is the glory of God. This is where we are in the present. We looked at the past and we've seen that we, mankind, we weren't there. A lot of decisions were made without our consent. In fact, the entire future was already established and completely perfected by God. Perfectly. I love the psalm that, that says, He has every day of our lives written in his calendar or his book. Psalm 139.16, if you want to write that down in the side of your Bible, just so you know where I got this from. Verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. No one else could do that. Only a sovereign God. Now, today, we are living out our purpose as the elect in the present. Verse 6 tells us, To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. That is, that the glory of his grace may be praised by all creatures, men and angels. He has given us, or blessed us, in the beloved, which refers to the divine grace, undeserved love and favor. This has made it possible for sinners to be accepted by God through the substitutionary death and imputed righteousness provided by Jesus Christ the beloved imputed by Christ how many times do you hear that word imputed in a conversation how many times would you use that at work or at school or at home imputed <coughs> imputed by Christ means it was solely provided by Christ not by our works or our words for a very good reason so we cannot steal God's glory Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. 
when we say in him, who are we referring to? The beloved, Christ Jesus. We say we have at this very time in our possession. And redemption? Redeemed through his blood, the required ransom paid to God for the release of a person from bondage. Christ's sacrifice on the cross paid that price for every elect person enslaved by sin. The price of redemption is death. That's a very high price to pay. But to what end? The forgiveness of your sins. Yes, our sins, not Christ's. Christ blameless and sinless. He was sinless and blameless. He paid the full price of our rebellion against God. The blood of Jesus was shed for the forgiveness of our sins and trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which is his glory. So I did a little study of the word glory. And some of the words used to describe the word glory are greatness, splendor, majesty, also exaltation, and fame. For where we are today in the world and the things that we understand and can see with our eyes and understand, those words fit very well. But the weight of these words could never fully grasp the entirety of God's glory. Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Then we'll have a clear understanding of what God's glory is. You know, when I was a little boy, I went to a, some people's house, and I was about probably 12 years old. Not that little, but I was 12. And everything this lady said, she referred to glory. I brought in some firewood for her and hauled in some water. And every time we did this, or I, I hauled it in there, she'd say, oh, glory, thank you so much. Oh, glory, praise you for the wood. And I was thinking about that when I was writing this. She was thanking God. <laughs> Not me. I did the work, but she was giving him the glory because she knew that boy was sent to bring that wood and to bring that water. And she gave him, the rightful person, the glory for everything. Much bigger picture. But you could hear the kindness in her voice. She knew who she loved. And you never missed a conversation with her where she didn't give God the praise and the glory just because of the way she spoke. Oh, glory. I love that. I really did. Appreciated it. Only kind things came from that lady. Verse 8 tells us, says, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. In God's perfect plan, with his perfect wisdom, he devised a plan to redeem mankind. He made all the necessary arrangements by his providential will for that purpose. Ephesians 10 speaks of the manifold wisdom of God. If you know what a manifold is, it can be very simple or very complicated. Part, but it has a very specific purpose, most often to blend or mix components to create a functioning, efficient piece of equipment. And it requires great skill to create one from scratch. 
Everything in his time is blended perfectly. God has all resources at all times at his command. His manifold wisdom is flawless. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, it says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Quoted from the Berean Standard Bible. I, I looked at all the versions of that scripture. Those Bereans were tough guys. They took every word and examined it very carefully. Um, and I admire that. And so should we. We're handling the word of God, and we need to handle it very carefully. So in our present state, verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. The mystery has been solved. God's purpose of redemption no longer hidden in his counsels, but now revealed. This mystery is not like the occult or heathen mysteries where only initiated few know. All Christians are the initiated. Only believers unbelievers are not initiated. The word initiated defined by the Oxford Dictionary says a small group of people who share obscure knowledge. Yet Christians and believers worldwide are initiated into the same plan of redemption which is not a small group. He made known to us the mystery of his will and to finish verse 9 according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. The manifold wisdom of God made all of this fit perfectly in his perfect timing. Verse 10 tells us, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So we can't see the beginning from the end, but he can. Can you imagine all the details thought out by a sovereign God from the very beginning to this very day. As sovereign as this is, not one atom or molecule moves in this universe without his permission. That's a lot of detail. Rest assured, only God could handle that. There's no fate, and there's no luck. The all-knowing, all-powerful God that we worship is ever-present do not fear. Aren't you glad you've been included in this plan? If you know you've been called and chosen by God, learn his word. That's his character. That's who he is. Find a Bible-based church. Seek counsel from a faithful servant of God. Know what you heard today is God's holy word and live by it. It will be your guide as you learn to pray and who you're praying to. You'll become sound and more confident in the character of God. The God of all time knows you already. You need to know him. Verse 11 takes us into the future. In him, we've obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. 
Okay, so we have an inheritance. We were made to have an inheritance. We're joint heirs with Christ. Unlike an earthly inheritance, we might receive from a parent or a relative because of our blood connection. This is different. With God, our inheritance comes from Him with heaven's highest blessings. In an attempt to try and explain this inheritance, because it's not simply possessions to be sorted out, it's not a bloodline, neither the will of man, but of God. At this point in the present, we see from Scripture that our inheritance will be comprised of what we won't see in the absence of certain things. This was a great way to understand what an inheritance in heaven is like because we think mostly about earthly possessions. But this is what's amazing about God and his word is he points out the things we don't see. So have you ever thought about what you have as an inheritance? So for example, our inheritance will be incorruptible and it won't fade away. In our future, there'll be no more death nor curse, nor night, nor weeping, nor transgressions. That's what you're going to inherit. In our earthly lives at present, we don't think like that, naturally. Those things not being there are just as valuable as the good things that we will see in the future, such as there are many mansions in your father's house. And there are heavenly places not made with hands. There are much more enduring substances for in store for us. The promise of Jesus. Where I am, there ye shall be also. Gives us assurance that where he is will be greater than any kingdom that we've seen here. It is reasonable to believe that it will be infinitely more glorious than anything we could even imagine. Adding to all the visual, there will be a vast increase of knowledge as well as the ability to comprehend accurately. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully, even as I have been fully known. That's our future. There will be holiness, for without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And the church will be presented to God without spot, because there will be no corruption, nothing perverted or blemished. There will be rest and peace. Rest and peace. You'll finally be satisfied. Right now we understand our five senses. Taste, touch, sight, smell, sound. The carnal man is constantly looking to satisfy all of these. Continuously always looking for the next restaurant or the next movie to come out or the next new song to listen to or the next new perfume or cologne to smell. But deep inside, we have a vacuum 
constantly consuming, trying to find something to fill that void or emptiness. Because we're incomplete. These are spiritual matters that need to be dealt with. And only God can supply those needs. We don't really know the fullness of heaven or eternity or the inheritance prepared for us, only partly. For example, we might know what the color of blue looks like. But do we know what it feels like? Or what it sounds like? At this point, we're very limited. If Fanny Crosby said to you, what does the color of blue smell like? You know, we know Fanny was blind. She wrote some great hymns, but she couldn't see. What does the color of blue taste like? How would you describe that to somebody? It would be very difficult, because we don't know. But today, we know. We'll know that when we are in heaven, because that's part of our inheritance. We'll know all things. At this point, we are limited, so there's much more to look forward to. Not only that, but we'll find the strength to do the serving in God's perfect place for us. We'll continue to have a purpose in his kingdom. We'll continue to serve him with full strength, joyously, full of zeal and the love of God. Finally, there will be a social blessedness. For the elect shall be gathered from the four winds, or the four corners of the earth, and they may dwell together. Every believer in the world, whether you know them or not, will be there. To be with Christ is the undescribable joy of the believer. He is the source of all heavenly joy. Verse 11 says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Now we've heard a pretty elaborate explanation of what that inheritance will look like. Verse 12, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. The word we, in this verse, refers to the Jewish Christians who, before Christ came, had hope in the Christ to come. They look forward to his coming. Paul said in Acts 26, 6, And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers. That hope has been sustained from the Old Testament for a long, long time. So here's the good news. Verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The you also, Paul's referring to, is the Gentiles. That's us. The elect, or chosen. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. The God-revealed gospel of Jesus Christ must be heard 
according to Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And believed from John 1, 12. But to all who re did receive him, who believed in him, in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Why? To bring salvation. So you heard the good news, or the gospel, and believed. Praise the Lord. Because you are now sealed by the Holy Spirit. That seal means that you belong to some, someone of greater authority. That seal has four important truths attached to it. One, security. Two, authenticity. Three, ownership. Four, authority. Your salvation is secure and authentic. You belong to God because he has his seal upon you. His ownership. And finally, we are under his authority. Not like a wicked ruler, but a merciful Savior who's more willing to give than to receive. Who gave his only begotten Son to secure your inheritance in a place or place in eternity with him, which is much more valuable than any worldly possession. Amen? Last verse, 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? The Holy Spirit is given by God as his pledge to the believer's future inheritance in glory. Once again, you know about the inheritance from our description earlier. You know God has the authority to make a pledge and carry it out. So how about that word glory? To the praise of his glory. Yes, glory, glory, hallelujah. Or praise ye the Lord. We cannot steal God's glory. All of his planning right from the beginning was done by God. Every last detail was meticulously planned out and executed perfectly by God. Every person you've met, every difficulty or trial you've experienced was all planned out by God, by God's grace to bring you to the fold. And then present, and at present shape you into the image of his Son, and finally to bring you to his glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the path we're on. The sovereign God we worship today came down in the form of a baby, born to a virgin, lived a spotless, blameless life. And he died a criminal's death. Rose again on the third day. He conquered death and ascended into heaven and gave us this promise that he will gather the elect and they will spend eternity with him in his glory. Now you've just heard the gospel. Do you believe? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for this day again and this time in your word. We could study it and read it, understand it, edify build up and exhort one another. But let's continue this through the week, Lord. 
as we see one another or speak to one another. As we meet people in our lives that don't know you, let them see a reflection of you through us. May these words penetrate our heart. May they come out of our mouths as freely as we breathe so they know there's a way that they can be part of this blessing, part of this inheritance. Know that their, their eternal hope is there and we can share that with them. Bring that good news, the gospel, the gospel of our salvation. I ask for each, a blessing on each person here today, Lord, as they spend out this week looking to glorify you as they read your word, to know your character, to study it, to trust it, to hold it dear to their hearts, to teach their children, their grandchildren, that we would be continuously, Lord, evolving and growing in your grace and knowledge. And be generous, Lord. Be generous with your word. Be forgiving. Holding close to the future, we know that these things will fade away. And our time in eternity with you will be forever. We will rest. We will rest in your assurance and rest in your peace. And yet, have a purpose to serve and live in your glory. We praise you, Father. We praise you in your magnificent name. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's no closing song, but we do have a benediction here from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you all. I really pray this week that you would draw very close to the Savior that you serve and be blessed. Be a blessing to one another.